right. Well, it's uh, so nice to see you again. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Ashling. Um, I am a, I'm a Choctaw woman. I live in Kentucky, but um, my mom's family are all Choctaw. So I live here because of my dad's family is from Appalachia. So I have both of those influences and it's interesting to have patriarchal and matriarchal influences on both sides of my family. Yeah, that's, that is very interesting. And I'm in a, a similar situation uh, because my, my mom's side is uh, mainly French Mohawk. Uh, and then my dad's side is uh, more influenced by by traditional patriarchal cultures and and you know both sides are mixed um but but my understanding is that my um father's side uh not mixed with native it's just all european uh whereas my mother's side is is a native european mix from the uh largely the french uh assimilation project uh, that was happening in the new france colonies uh, i i don't know much about choctaw culture so i'm i'm interested to hear more about like what it means that the Choctaw were matriarchal? Well, the Choctaw um, were part of the Muscogee Confederacy in the Southeast. So um, influenced a lot by the, um, the Cahokia Mounds culture. The mound building um, was very central to our society. The majority of Choctaw today are in Oklahoma because of the Trail of Tears, but there's a small portion that remained in Mississippi that are now a, a separate band with their own government. So my, my heritage comes from the Oklahoma um, line. My grandfather lives out there. Um, I sometimes visit him for powwow. But um, there, the, the ceremonial practices and cultural beliefs are pretty much the same between Choctaw, Choctuma, um, Chickasaw, and Muscogee, and also Cherokee. Um, and um, unfortunately, a lot of the ceremonial practices of the Choctaw have died out of practice because of the Baptist church. Um, the, the Spanish were very influential in trying to kill off the Choctaw, but then the French came and stopped them. So a lot of Choctaw are also French, but the Baptist missionaries were very prevalent. And today, most Choctaw are Baptist or Church of Christ. So my, my uh, family was Church of Christ, but um, I, I'm part of a movement of people who want to revive our traditional culture, like decolonizing from the Baptists, and I, I will attend Muscogee ceremony in order to revive that, because interestingly, the Muscogee actually got a lot of stuff from us that we had first, mm. um, but Choctaw believe that women are the life givers. The word ohoyo it for, is for woman. It means giver of life. So um, that's often represented by the turtle because the mother turtle is uh, like mother earth or yakni, mm-hmm. which means land or earth. So you have a so, turtle island uh, tradition as well to refer to the continent as turtle island? Um, we don't really refer to it as that. We, we actually call it land of the eagle. Um, because it's like, well, yakni already is a feminine term. So eagles are masculine. So in order to balance the masculine, feminine will say land of the eagle because mm-hmm. the men, the men dwell on the land and the land is the mother. So, um, the, um, the turtle, the turtle shells represent womanhood. So when you're in 
the square with a ceremony. The women will have traditionally turtle shell shakers strapped to our legs that are filled with rocks and will step in time with the chanting to bring in that feminine medicine to it. Um, now, a lot of times now the turtle shells aren't used because they're not legal to use everywhere. So um, the tradition of using the milk cans that you got on the reservation developed. But um, a Muskogee ground I visited recently in Florida, they use uh, dried deer toes that are clacking together hmm. um, as a way to kind of bring a natural element into it, even though deer, they told me deer are traditionally a symbol of the masculine in Muskogee culture, but in Choctaw culture, we have a deer woman goddess. Um, we also have corn woman or Ohoyo Chishba, which means the woman from unknown far away. Mm. who who brought us the corn and that's our most important festival is green corn which is in in the midsummer when the corn turns green um and the the story goes that a long time ago there was a famine and two Choctaw boys went out into the woods to look for food and they found this corn plant and they'd never seen it before. And they were like, oh, I'm so hungry. Should we eat this or should we bring it back and share with our family, even though we won't have as much? Then they see this woman they've never seen before. And she's like, will you please feed me? I'm very hungry. And out of the generosity of the Choctaw spirit, they give her some of the corn and then she transforms into the corn woman. And they realize that she created the corn and she says, you know, you, you pass the test of this generosity. And because you've shown that you're willing to share, now you're going to have a harvest of this corn every year and you'll never be hungry again. So that story is always told that um, the spirit of generosity that is so important to the Choctaw comes from Corn Woman or Ohoyo Oshishba because she came from unknown far away and she was still received. Mm. So women are usually responsible for um, everything that has to do with providing life. So obviously literal life is in children, but also farming and gardening were only entrusted to women because um, if, if men are to touch gardening tools, they're going to bring death onto them because they kill in war. Wow. So the men are not allowed to touch that. And that's why um, Choctaw women don't touch feathers of birds of prey, like eagles, because they represent death because those are predatory birds and they oh, kill. Wow. So it, it could like interfere with our life energy, which is also why um, men don't touch us when we're on our cycle, because the we're like clearing out all of the death and it's too powerful for them to handle. Mm. So there's, there's some, uh, some propaganda that's just built into the culture about this is how men are, this is how women are, and this is why men and women have different domains. Mm -hmm. And so, so um, having that distinction isn't necessarily about oppressing one or the other, but it's about making sure that, that there's respect for the fact that women have this unique capacity that takes so much from right. us. Yeah, so usually um, men would be the ones who would make like war decisions, but on the home front, the women make all the decisions and the men have to ask. Um, the women are the ones who own the houses traditionally. Mm, yes, like, the, uh, so that like men, um, if they want to marry a woman, like they, they can ask her and she'll allow him to live in her house for as long as she wants him to. Mm -hmm. She 
can kick him out if she wants to which my my mom always makes a point of that with my dad and I like that like <laughs> some, like uh he he used to try with me and my sisters if he didn't like something we were doing he's like whose house is this and we were like mom's <laughs> <laughs> so that that always shut him up but um it's um but I mean in surrounding Muscogee culture traditionally only men participated in the war dances but the mm. Choctaw nation is the only one in which women were involved in the war dances. Um, There's something like that in uh, Mohawk. There was a smoke dance. Used to be only for for war ceremonies that only the men would do. But but more recently, um, there's been a woman's version adapted, uh, which is pretty cool. I'll, I'll probably splice it in here. Um, it's it's uh, definitely a very energetic dance. <laughs> Second time. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I the the term hatchet woman actually came from Choctaw culture. Um, because the um in a lot of surrounding nations it was just the men who would go to war, but in uh Choctaw culture the, the men and the women would go and the women would walk behind the men so that the men would protect them and the women would like watch their backs. Mm. Like if anybody were coming up behind them, the woman would take them out. And um there's actually a story about the first uh, the first encounter of the Choctaw Nation with colonizers when the Spanish explorer De Soto came up through Florida, like slaughtering everyone in his path. Um, he got to the city of Mabila, which was a Choctaw metropolis at the time. And the chief Tuscaloosa met him and he was talking to him. He said, well, um, you need to provide each of my men with two women to satisfy them, or I'm going to burn down your village. And Tuscaloosa was like, how about you meet me back at the city tomorrow and we'll see what the women have to say about it. Mm. So he's like, okay. And they, they meet back at the city the next day and like, there's nobody there. Like, where is everyone? And the city is surrounded by the women and they all are aiming flaming arrows at the invaders they're like this is our answer to you and i i just i love that because it perfectly illustrates how they ask the chief who's a man right you know give us your women and he's like go ask the women what they think about that <laughs> and the women are like it's very different than the story of lot in the bible where where uh, a group of men are like give us give us these travelers that came with you and he's just like no take my daughters instead yeah that's, that's yeah it's like, it's like their cultural attitudes are just different and it's really hard for people who have had patriarchy only to even start to conceptualize what it would mean for everyone in the culture to have an understanding that women are in control and that this is actually natural and good 
and mm-hmm. and uh the, there's there's this idea that it's somehow natural for a male because males are stronger to come up with this idea that maybe things would be better if I got a bunch of males together and started oppressing my mom that's not natural that's ba- that's ass backwards and, yeah. and it's no surprise that that it's that cultural error is destroying everything <laughs> It's ruining the planet. It's colonized everyone. It's just like you—you you, you didn't win just because you stole a bunch of stuff. <laughs> like right, right, right. It's to break in, the game isn't <laughs> who has the most toys. You know, that's that's not the game. Um, I, I mean, you you want to look at the men and be like, who gave you life? Like, who whose legs did you come out from between when you first encountered the world? Mm-hmm. I mean, who gave you that gift? Yeah. Is a woman, you know, and I mean, even the Where ground. Where did your words your come feet. from? Hmm? Where did your words come from? For the vast majority of people, it was from their mother primarily, and then uh, from largely female caregivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I saw um, I saw this um this post uh, earlier today that was it's an old one, but it was a picture of a new a news clipping that said a monk on Mount Athos dies having never seen a woman, and I laughed because I'm like so he never <laughs> seen his mother like I mean, <laughs> well she she transitioned now now she's now she's his father. <laughs> I mean for for it was gender at least a month or two he must have seen her. I mean unless he was blind, but I, I think they would have specified that. <laughs> I mean. They, I just I mean, I, he must I, have seen her from the inside like surely he felt her yes I, I mean for for a while there she was his entire world mm-hmm. like he doesn't know a, a place outside mother mother is the surroundings yeah and so they're, and they're come fixated out. on changing changing that they they're so angry that women have this power they they are fixated on taking that away from us so that they don't need mm-hmm. us anymore and so that we have nothing that makes us special and so we have to uh and, and otherwise setting us up to um be so economically marginalized that we have to sell ourselves. That's what they want is for women mm-hmm. to realize that we have nothing left to sell. They, they, think it's, they want us to think it's empowering that we're, we can rent our wombs out to yeah. men, that, that men can complain that we didn't, we didn't serve them well enough as handmaidens yeah. um, with our, with our wombs. So we can pose in the background of their maternity picture. That was a disgusting photo. <laughs> The yeah. handmade one going around and it's it's just really really shows how how uh just dark like de- de- depraved the culture has to be <clears throat> to think it's an it's it's not harmful to an infant to take them from their mother like they want to devalue women's role because they know that that if women's role is properly valued women are given resources and women are given support and the culture will be structured in a way that that no man can come between a woman and her home. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the, the right now she, we have the opposite situation. Home. Yeah, and so you know. so in, in uh, uh, Iroquois society, Iroquois, uh, the word their word is Haudenosaunee, and uh, so it means people of the long house uh, in in um, those that language family, and and so people would live multi families in one long house, and it would belong to the mother's family, and so men would leave their family of origin and go live with their their wife's family and so there was never a situation where the husband could kick the wife out because she didn't make herself available in some way to him literally her whole family is right there ready to to knock some sense into him and to remind him hey this is upstate new york uh we can kick you out of the lodge actually and you'll just die <laughs> so 
it's like there was there was a more a better uh, understanding of of the the circumstances. Whereas now we have the nuclear family model, where where women are are uh, isolated and colonized uh, mm-hmm. by by their own personal uh, Desoto. I like that their own personal Desoto. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost like that the concept was like men were paying rent because they they go out they hunt they bring home their game in order to continue living there right like this is this is our house you you bring like your job is to bring home the bacon almost literally yeah. but um and now we're in a situation where women have a job women have to make up for the expenses we bring somehow even though mm-hmm. we are the ones giving life to everyone because mm-hmm. and- the the unpaid labor of working around the house at home is is not considered work they, yeah, being they, a mother is considered a luxury choice but the state right, doesn't it's have like, to fund ooh, right. it's 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 so backwards the mm-hmm. situation we have now that the, the women are 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 asked to actually take on this expense of uh, pregnancy and birth uh and then to go and right back to work the next week mm-hmm. like to be you better find somebody pregnancy. to watch your kid like yeah, why, why did you have a kid if you weren't if you couldn't afford it? And it's like the whole system is set up to impoverish women systematically and to make us feel dependent and like we're extensions of men and male families. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and they always ask women, well, oh, what about your work-life balance? You know, and they they don't ask men that. Yeah. No, it's a. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read. The, there's a book called A Wife Work by uh, Susan Moshart. That's. Uh, I read it in college, so so I'm sure there's been more recent research. Research, but it it just looked at. Uh, different statistical angles of the work that wives provide to their husbands that is not compensated, but but benefits the husbands economically uh, for reasons such as they live longer, so they can work longer, and therefore they can make more money. They they don't have as many sick days. When they do have sick days, there's someone else keeping up with stuff. Um, it's all, all all of these angles of mm. it, where where when you really look at it, women are taught not to value ourselves so that we are cheaper. And women need to start valuing ourselves and recognizing that that it's it's actually not a burden that we get pregnant. That's not a burden to men. That's it's seen as a burden right now, and it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's also seen as a medical emergency. Like the the fact that um, I, I'm not saying that like you should never have a hospital birth, but the normalization of it that everyone should automatically go to the hospital because they're giving birth mm. is a, it's. I mean. It's like, um, you remember what uh, Suzanne was talking about at the conference about how they're, they're like selling the bodily fluids of the women during their right. birth, like they're selling the placenta and all, all sorts of things like this, making bank off of them. Right. And while, you know, charging them thousands of dollars for being able to touch their baby yeah. Yeah. after, after giving birth and, and, you know, various things like, I mean, and that's birth, also to reinforce not- to women that, that they are, they, by, by burdening women in this fashion, we, we are sending them the message that they are burdens and they deserve to be burdened because otherwise they would be burdening everyone else. And so, so it's, uh, I, I agree with you that there's uh, a huge emphasis. I mean, the, our C-section rate is like three times the next developed country's C-section rate. Uh, and, and nobody wants to ask the question of like, is this rate so high because we stress out mothers when they're giving birth so they can't relax and actually give birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they're in a hospital, them. allow them to move as they feel comfortable to do so yeah. instead if of a prisoner, allow them to draft down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, in it, a position it suited for a king. 
which is the origin of that positioning, giving birth in that position is because a man wanted to watch. That was mm-hmm. really the origin. I mean, they, they think that that women's bodies and their children's bodies are property because if if you're in if you're in the hospital not only are they going to make bank off of your placenta etc they are going to charge you for giving birth and charge you for touching your baby mm-hmm. it's like well is that my baby or is it your baby like right why are you charging me for my baby <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's like medicine. Every time a woman is pregnant, they're like, what? What are you doing? What are you thinking doing this? This is outrageous. So we'll try we'll try to help you get out of this this ridiculous predicament that you got yourself into. And it's like, this is this is natural. I mean, we, we give birth in a very bizarre way. Like it's 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 not ideal how we give birth. And there's there's evolved reasons for that. I, I, we, we got off relatively late compared to though. What's it? Hyenas where, where they have a, the female pseudophallus. And they have to give birth through it and it rips open. Ooh. Somehow, this isn't even the worst birth on this list. That title belongs to the hyena because straight up death is actually better than what they go through. Female hyenas evolved a pseudo penis that's so similar to the real thing, it's actually difficult to tell males and females apart. This is actually a female. Only problem is, it's not just for show, they actually have to give birth through that thing. And yes, it's every bit as painful as you think. And just to somehow make it even worse relative to the mother's size, hyenas have to give birth to the largest cubs of any carnivore and they have to do it through a penis. Good amount of first time mothers don't even survive this because the process involves rupturing and splitting open the pseudo to make it easier for the cub. But the cubs don't get it easy either, about 60% of hyena cubs will suffocate on the way out and become past tense before technically even joining the present. And you would think because this directly affects the mother and the cub that evolution would have patched this. But apparently nature and Lion King have something in common when it comes to doing hyenas dirty. Yeah, you don't want to be a hyena. Yeah, they're they're also an, a matriarchal animal, and so they just uh, uh, was watching something that was like saying that they uh, uh, bully the males um, to make sure that they stay submissive. Uh, so I just it's hard for <laughs> me mean, to imagine us going it, from patriarchy to egalitarianism and not having it just revert back to patriarchy. Like I mm-hmm. think I think we need to get more comfortable with the idea that a matriarchy is better than a patriarchy objectively and is the only system that will work for women long term. Yeah, I mean, I, I get a lot of times when I tell people that um, they're, they're like, oh, well, what are your political views? I'm like, I'm an indigenous matriarchist. And they're like, um, and they're like, ooh, that sounds extreme, a matriarchist. And they're like, so you, so you, you think that women should, and, but then they go on to basically describe patriarchy, but with women. Right. And it's like, I, that's not what I They devalue women so much that they cannot wrap their minds around the idea that we were put in charge for a reason this is actually biologically it's better we're not we're not men with breasts it's, mm-hmm. it's not it's not going to be patriarchy but with women we don't yeah. have a motivation to exploit male reproductive capacity we don't we actually don't have that motivation they have a motivation to exploit us and to farm us we don't mm-hmm. need to do that to men there's no there's no motivation they freely give it they say they like doing it mm-hmm. yeah i mean the, the whole idea that if if you put women in charge then they're just going to do everything to men that men have done to women i mean it's it's admitting it's it's men admitting that what they've what they're doing is wrong right because i I mean if they don't if they don't want us to do it to them then why are why are they so afraid right they 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 understand uh that the system only perpetuates through uh unreasonable force violence and gaslighting and they are terrified of the tables turning 
because a lot of these men don't trust their mothers and they don't trust their mothers because their mothers were raised in patriarchies and were broken by the time they had children by design and they never got yeah. pretending to that they needed to and so then they they had issues with raising the kids and the children grew up not respecting their mothers and so they just can't imagine women doing better at it that, that, that the system just be is better when the people who have the uh, reproductive role of female are the ones who are making choices about whether resources go to children which includes male children yes yes absolutely i mean my my mom um she she told me that I made her a feminist because um, you know she she was raised with a Choctaw father but um, in a in a family that was very fundamentalist Church of Christ with patriarchal expectations so I mean she knew like the stories of about um, like the old Choctaw stories but in practice her assumption was the expectation is that I grow up, I find a husband and I have children, like, and then that's it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, what do I want to do? It was just that. So that's what she did. And then she, she comes to realize after a little while that he's not actually even doing his job in terms of patriarchy. Like he's, he's not, he's not leading or um, even providing very good so she she's just she's realizing that he's kind of not as competent as she was led to believe and she had to step up and become the breadwinner which she didn't expect that she would have to do and she realized oh my gosh this is the same pattern that happened with my parents and then she she was like you know what like this is ridiculous like why are we expecting women to do all to do all of this and for men to be in charge if men aren't good at being in charge. Right, right. So, the, simple, the simple way to, to ensure that males provide for females is to tax males on the basis of maleness and to send that money to mothers. Mm-hmm. You need to stop chaining women to the man that got them pregnant. It's, yeah. not, it's not right. Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, she she is she is financially in charge of, of everything. Like she, she pays for everything. It all comes from her. And whenever um, somebody doesn't like it usually a man doesn't like what she something that she wants to do she's basically like well who's paying for this who's who's paying for it me okay shut up we're doing what I want I can have five cats if I want (laughs) so nobody can stop me it's my money (laughs) so interesting yeah I uh uh feel like my mom really wanted to role model like she was she's very feminist her whole life and uh kind of just just wanted to to she she found a partner that really wanted to uh role model what she believed which was was that it's it's important for for women to see women leading and women in charge and to have an understanding of of the actual system that we're in so so my dad is also very feminist um and uh they they, they just did what they could to, to teach me what what the system really looked like uh and i really appreciate that um so it's it's That's awesome yeah they they uh they they my mom I think had it more directly from like I don't think she ever really bought into the patriarchal assumptions because um of a situation in in, in her family life and then because she got, had such a influence from um her her French Mohawk grandmother and spent a lot of time there uh, and, uh, less so, I mean, some with, with, with my grandfather, but I actually never got to meet that grandfather. 
uh, due to a family event. So it's um, unfortunate <laughs> thinking back, um, but it's it's just shows that 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 you can't have an assumption about strict parent to child transmission because uh, families are extended networks and there's there's an assumption that the nuclear family is like it and that everybody else understands that they're not part of the nuclear family. And so, so they're, they're like, need to stand back and just kind of be welcoming on the holidays. And there's a devaluation of the kind of relationships that exist outside of the parent-child relationship, mm -hmm. and the transmission that happens there, and then and, uh, a lack of consideration also for events that might happen that might render um, the patriarchal structure unworkable for some families, uh, even, even if it worked for any families. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I mean, that whole concept is, is very foreign to indigenous cultures as well, because uh, the, the concept of the nuclear family as opposed to the extended family. Right. Um, I mean, in, in Choctaw culture, for example, um, like the, the maternal uncle played a greater role in the children's lives than the father mm. because he was related to the mother and the mother was like most important. So right. it was like the mother's whole family would raise, but like maternal uncles were viewed kind of the same way that fathers are viewed in modern American culture. Mm. It's, it's like, oh, well, there's the mother and the uncle. Yeah. And the father is kind of there. That's but... where they're going to get their masculine influence and, and uh, not from, uh, in, in, so the, the, the uh, Mohawk origin story involves um, a, a male spirit coming and, and uh, causing the first pregnancy because uh, Sky Woman came into the world already pregnant. Uh, oh, and then so so the spirit of the west wind came and uh, impregnated her daughter that she had had uh, and then just took off and zero zero percent importance and then that the daughter gave birth to sons and in the process she died so built into the origin story is sometimes mm. women die in pregnancy and it's mm. it's actually either the fetus's fault or no one's fault because in the, in the story it's it's because something the fetus chose to do on purpose killed oh, her. wow <laughs> so it's like we're gonna, we're gonna guilt trip male children in the origin story systematically uh, and uh, then uh, the sons were like well we're here to uh, we have to continue our grandmother and our mother's work and so then that, that that was their motivation to create was that they were continuing the work of women who started the work mm -hmm. and that's, that's just similar to, um, for, men, for men yeah yeah that's similar to the the Muskogee version of the corn woman story um because mm -hmm. when when I was um at Muskogee stomp ground recently um I was talking to them um about Corn Woman because it, we have a different origin story. I was I told them the Choctaw one and they told me the Muscogee one, and in the Muscogee one, it wasn't um, it wasn't just like two random children um, who were looking for food. They were um, they were these children who were being raised mm. by Corn Woman, um, but they didn't know she was Corn Woman. They were just like, oh, this is our mother. Um, but she always fed them by giving her the corn and mm. uh, by giving them the corn. And they they one day asked her, where where does the corn come from? And she pulled up her skirt and showed that she was scraping it off of her body and that that's how they were being nourished. And they wow. they were they were like really grossed out. They were like, that's so nasty. Why would you scrape that off of your body? And she's like, well, if you don't appreciate my gifts, then the only way you're ever going to be nourished is to kill me and drag my body through the fields so that you'll be able to have the corn, but you won't have to see it from obviously my totally disgusting legs if they're just too much for you. And so they they do like with, with great regret, she dies and then they remember forever that they don't get to see Corn Woman anymore because of their ingratitude. Wow. So 
Um, but oh, she's we're, we're about to time out, so I can send you another link if you want to finish the story. Um, oh, so, okay. So, yeah, I will. This will again. Okay, so you're telling me about Corn Woman and, and their yeah. ingratitude. Well, the same way you were saying that, um, that like the, the men had to carry on the work that the woman had started because she gave them life even though she died. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of how um, in the Muskogee story, all of the, all of, all of the life and nourishment that men experienced from then on from the corn came from the fact that corn woman gave her life because right. they wouldn't, they didn't want, they interestingly, they, they didn't want her body, which is interesting because it's like, that's still what we're dealing with today is that men don't want women's bodies. They just want what they can get out of it right. without, without actually having her. Right. So built into the, the story is, is, is uh, stigmatizing male disgust of femaleness is something mm-hmm. that precedes destroying femaleness and, and the loss of that woman. Um, so it's just like all these these warnings are built in in order to allow mm-hmm. the matriarchy to self-perpetuate and to discourage the formation of a patriarchy because the culture remembers what happens when patriarchies form. It's very, very, very bad. For women. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, I love okay. the, the way that um, when we were talking about extended families and their importance, extended families safeguard against male violence and those problems especially when they're the women's family um because like you were saying like in a long house where where all the women are in the women's family and the men live in her house right like if if some man goes rogue and it's like i'm gonna colonize the women's bodies like they're gonna be my slaves or whatever then i mean what what are the other men who are in that woman's family gonna have to say about that they're right. not going to be happy. Like they're they're going to gang up on him and kick him out. Yeah, and 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 uh, so so it was seen as as something where where we we need to systematically empower women and to keep families together in order to protect women and their children, uh, versus a system where all the women are systematically impoverished, systematically separated from their families of origin, and so they're all powerless to help you. And, and everybody mm-hmm. with power in the family is male. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's the family structure that's kept together is male. That's just, a and that, that, that happens when you, when you take a woman out of her family and you give it to the man's family. If, if that's the system, then where's her protection? Yeah. Where, where's her safety? Yeah. It's just nowhere. It's if she doesn't want to uh, do what the man wants, then she doesn't have that protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, yeah. It, women don't realize that, that they've been set up like that until it's it's too late whereas mm-hmm. uh, in, in a matriarchy where um you know the woman could freely divorce the man and not lose yeah. everything uh who could kick him out uh if he if he didn't do the right thing uh and and where he was separated from his family you know that's just it's just going to be harder for a system of male power to form and yeah and people will all have this this from the stories from the cultural setup this deep suspicion of the other way of doing things and right now we don't have a deep suspicion that's in the culture we're all raised like children are taught that you know god made man first and then took a piece of him and made woman and then now women are in charge of of giving life as a punishment and and so it's it's their fault that it's so hard for them and it was so Mm -hmm. easy for a man 
Yeah, and, and it's 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 a hatred of life giving. Like why why is that a punishment? Why is giving life a bad thing? Like ooh, right. it's so terrible. I mean, just a second ago the man was giving life, that wasn't considered bad. Mm-hmm. But um I mean that even with, with with the safety thing, my mother has said that if if there if she ever spoke up against my dad in certain areas, that his family would not want to talk to her, that they would like defame her as like oh she's so bad you know is that the like Appalachian clan mindset kind of very Mm. like Scottish Irish type um they're you know oh well she's the outsider she married in she's the bad guy da 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 even if it's obvious that what he did was the wrong thing right um and that that upsets me because I mean I love my dad's family but I mean I I don't like the way that their culture approaches things Mm. I, I don't like the the way where it's it's never about what's right so much as it's about sticking with our own and uh you know well that's our son i just i find that exasperating and it creates fear for for the woman and for mm-hmm. her children who are who feel torn about their family right it uh, uh is an interesting clash of cultures when when there's intermarriage between a, a patriarchal and a matriarchal family and you know, the patriarchal structure is just, it just seems fundamentally confused and lost. Like it, they, they, they don't seem to understand why they're unhappy. And it seems like there's a degree of unhappiness that just comes from seeing your mother be marginalized. Like it's normal to really love your mother. That's, that's a normal thing. And yet everybody in our culture has to have, have to see that, that mothers don't have power. And that really affects you. You don't feel like you have power if you don't see your mother having power. Mm-hmm. And, and that's terrifying when you're a child yeah yeah I mean my mother has grown more empowered as I've gotten older as she's you know as she had to become more of the breadwinner and it saved up all of her own money and has basically control of all of her assets um she she doesn't care anymore what other people think like she just says stuff and and I I just find it really inspiring. I'm like, yeah, I'm like say it. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, do, you know, because she'll she'll get kind of self conscious, like, oh, you know, am I doing something wrong? I'm like, no, you're not doing anything wrong. You're amazing. But um, I just I really that's that's why I I find it really important that I pass on that legacy and not the legacy of patriarchy to my children because I do want to have children, but. I don't like the way that America is structured to where it's expected that I entrust the raising of my children to a patriarchal government. That's, Mm. I don't like, I don't like public schools. I don't like them because they, they teach children separation from family is normal and trusting strangers to raise your children is normal Mm. and teaching them patriarchal colonizing history is it's a normal daycare to brainwash your children and i i don't like quite that. an and experience when when the first the first time in a, a public school i was uh, updated as to my race uh and and uh, had was invalidated regarding what i said was my, was my actual background and of course that's never stopped that's still happening to this day <laughs> but it's like when you're a kid it's like you go to your mom tells you one thing and you go to school and 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 people at school tell you another thing and then you go home and and it just causes problems. It, it's about uh, systematically like trying to still carve off children from their mother's line and and separate them ideologically on the theory that that if 
you can just get them away from the culture that they will Frenchify and they will turn into to, to model citizens. You've you've killed the Indian and saved the man, and and it's, mm -hmm. it's yeah. And get this hasn't stopped. It's never stopped. I'm tired of pretending like like this is somehow different from what they started in the in the 1600s. Mm -hmm. And they're the also doing it with autistic youth. They they want to make the autistic youth conform to act like neurotypical kids, or they'll sideline and segregate them and say, "Well, you're too stupid to understand." Mm. It's like if you don't conform to us enough, then you're stupid. And I mean, so it's not good. It's not good for indigenous kids. It's not good for autistic kids. And it's not good for kids in general with the whole gender ideology. Mm. I mean, when they're coming in and saying like, oh, well, what do you feel inside is is like your gender. And it's like, well, that's I mean, that that that's never something that we learned from our parents or from our families at home traditionally at all. Oh yeah, like I'm 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 uh, quite proud that there's there's minimal evidence that there was any sort of Beardash tradition in the um uh what's it called uh in in Iroquois society. Uh Beardash mm -hmm. is the origin of two spirit. Uh and so um there's just not any sign of it and it doesn't wouldn't make sense in our cultural model of the world that that sometimes males can be female. Like we have very specific spiritual beliefs about ancestors and about about adoption and about about what it means to 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 what what is a spirit what does it mean to to communicate with spirits things like that and so it's just a very very mm -hmm. modern form of colonization to come in and i've, I've even uh, one of the, the the sources that i was reading on that was saying that um actually tried to make the argument that even though there's no evidence outside of like one account from a european that this this tradition existed the burden of proof is magically on uh, us to show that we don't have this tradition. It's like, no. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and with Choctaw, you'll see some people try to say, oh, well, we do have early photographs of men wearing women's clothing and women wearing men's clothing. And I'm like, you're the one who's saying that that's women's clothing or men's clothing. Right. Like, what, why wasn't your observation, oh, Choctaw don't have a big distinction between what clothing is for which sex? Mm-hmm maybe that's your observation instead of, ooh, they have cross-dressing. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then they also came in and, and just immediately wanted, were like, you. they thought that we were backwards, so they, they just wanted to fix it. And they did that all over in the colonization, including like Africa too, not just in, in the Americas, where when they found a, a cultural structure that looked matriarchal or matrilineal in some way, they just tried to flip it. And so like they would only interact with men and they would only pay for for or trade with men. And so it just it just completely changed the structure um, to to only have uh, males as recognized by the state that they were interacting with and to require um, women that married into the assimilation project to uh, abandon the cultural. But like you can't you can't fully abandon your culture. You just can't. You, just, you got it. You got it from as a kid. It was impressed upon you. It's yours now. It's it's it's. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's nothing, there's no alternative uh, programming that I can just replace it with besides the one that I was actually exposed to. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think um, that we're, we will remember, you know, even with the kids who are, were brainwashed in residential schools and whatever, and if the ones who survive, if they have children, it might take a few generations, but they're going to remember. They're going to remember that what, they've, what they're being told is not who they are. They're going to be told. Yeah. That they, and that that's why I think that in the in the past, um, in 
for the past several decades, there's been so many indigenous youth trying to reclaim mm. and, and colonize stuff because we've hit the seven generation mark and we're done. We're, right. we're done tolerating it. Right. Like I, I'm, I'm seventh generation and I'm, and I'm, I'm not having it. Yeah. Um, I think that, that, that that's uh, just, just, and the, the, the underestimate about what can be transmitted, even if you weren't talking about it and labeling it as the culture. Like it is, it is about parent-child interactions. It's about how women carry themselves and see themselves and, and what choices we make in that conditioning. And you can't just tell someone, okay, now stop acting that way and imagine that you're, you've been oppressed your whole life. And so it's just, it's, it's been passed down that way. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's the one frustrating thing that I find about um, the fact that I'm Choctaw means that I have to go and get most of my ceremony from the Muscogee because they're the ones who preserved it more. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I find that so unfortunate that like that the, the, some of the Choctaw ceremony is older, but it's not being practiced anymore. Like if you go to like a a Choctaw powwow or something, which powwows aren't even our tradition, but whatever. Um, You, if you go, if you go to one, like they will do all of our traditional dances, but it's almost like a performance. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, look, this is the snake dance. Watch you right. guys, you know, but there's not like a fire that they've set up traditionally or anything. And like, I'll go there to be with my people and to wear our traditional dress, which varies slightly from the Muskogee. But um, it's just, it's frustrating that if you talk to a lot of Choctaw, even elders, they'll say things that they talk about everything in the past tense. Mm. Like, oh, well, we used to That's da, 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 da. And revitalize and it. Right. I'm like, well, why, why don't we? And like, I can't, I can't go do a ceremony by myself because right. you have to have a bunch of people who all have this like wisdom passed down. You have to have the men over here and the women over here. And the assimilators will, will, will tell me point blank, you know, like, well, if you, if you didn't grow up with it, it's just gone now. You just, it's just right. not your culture anymore. You know, it doesn't count. You don't mm-hmm. get to identify with them at all. It's just, just so it's like, and, and of course they won't bother to find out like what your actual background was. They'll just make a racial assumption and, mm-hmm. and then tell you all right. about what your childhood was like and what cultural influences you had. And it's like, I'm sorry, were you there? I don't, I don't remember <laughs> seeing you there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, um, it's 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 genocide like it's it's getting it's trying to convince us that our culture should just be forgotten that it's not important that oh well you you guys lost yeah yeah white culture has everything you need you you guys haven't figured anything else out that we couldn't figure out and Mm -hmm. so it's it's just this this assumption that we are the same as it's it's the same culture except for mistakes and different names for things Mm -hmm. right that's just not how it works like if you're mixed, they'll say, well, why don't you care about your Irish heritage or, or whatever it is? Like, why don't you care about it? Like, why isn't that important to you? And I'm like, I, first of all, I never said it wasn't because that's not what we were talking about. <laughs> and se- second of all, maybe like, um, maybe I, I prefer not not being dehumanized as a woman. And, <laughs> may- and, and maybe like, just because I value my indigenous culture, that doesn't mean that but I mean, they, they see Ireland's doing fine. Right? Like, like they were it's, colonized, it's a... but, but they're, they're doing okay. Uh, and then further, it's like, it's maybe because I, the family members that, that gave me the cultural influences didn't grow up in Ireland. They grew up in Mohawk country. Maybe that's mm-hmm. why Mohawk was more significant in terms of what I was taught. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or or they're like in Appalachia, so it's like a little separated. None of them speak Irish or Scottish anymore. They speak the Appalachian dialect of English. Yeah. Which I mean, I do care about my Scottish and Irish heritage. Like I I, I know what clan I am. I'm I want to learn the dances and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like they they think that if you value your indigenous culture, that that's somehow a threat to yeah. any other culture you have. Like, oh well, now you're nothing. Yeah, they want to they want to stamp it you? out. So, so I had somebody uh, where I, I actually wrote an essay response on my Substack to it. Uh, leave a comment that that said that um, you know my if I if it didn't grow up with the original stuff, then it doesn't count, even if it's legit heritage. They called it, and then turned around and was like, uh, "It's like why why aren't you proud of the fact that you're you're descended from Danish Mormons?" And it's like, "Well, I've never I've never practiced Mormon affiliation. I didn't grow up in Mormon culture." So I don't understand why this this heritage counts. I'm not. I don't, I've never been to Denmark. Why, why am I allowed to be proud of my Danish heritage? Why am I allowed to be proud of my Mormon heritage? Why 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 is it because is it because they're from Europe? Um, I like that you use the that phrase is. "allowed" too, because that is how they view it. Yeah, yeah, they see us as less than. Uh, we have to seek permission. Um, all right, I I do need to wrap this up for today. Actually, uh, something just came up, um, but I will. Um, I hope that we can talk again about oh, this. I feel to. like there's still a lot more to cover. Yeah, it would, I mean, it feels like we've only been talking for 20 minutes or something. It's just yeah. flying by. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is great. I'm glad that we we decided to do this. And I think a lot of people will benefit from, from uh, hearing to people talk about it from the perspective of people who understand what a matriarchy is mm. and that there have been stable matriarchies that have been very successful. <laughs> we know that. We know well, thank you so are. much for having me on. I mean, we, we say Yakoki Fena is thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for teaching me. Yakoki Fena? Mm-hmm. Yakoki is thank you and Fena is very much. Oh, Fena. Okay. So Yakoki Fena. Okay. Great. Well, um, take care. Bye. Bye.